Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvelous Nerds. We are the Marvel Mythos Podcast. This is Deadpool the Circle Chase. We're going to be talking about issues one through four from Deadpool's first solo series, Deadpool the Circle Chase. I am your host, Brian Barley. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Marvel underscore Mythos. And I am joined by my good friend, Jake McCausland. Hey, guys. Where can they find you on social media? JT McCausland on Twitter and Instagram. But stick to Twitter or stick to Instagram, not Twitter. Stick. I, I'm never on Twitter. I, I, could, I could use it, but I just, if you reach out to me, maybe I'll use it more, but yeah, otherwise yeah. I'm not using it very much. You just confuse the crap out of everyone. Stick to which ones? Stick, no. to, stick to whichever you want. So I must confess that my biggest uh, comic exposure with Deadpool was the Cable and Deadpool series. I think it was from the early 2000s back when uh, Deadpool was popular, but I guess Cable was popular enough that he garnered the first name in the line. Mm. And that's the, like I said, the biggest exposure I've had with him. And then on the Uncanny X-Force run that he was on. So I don't have as much uh, knowledge from his history in the comics. So if I refer to the movies, that's probably because that's where I got a lot more of like solo Deadpool stuff than I did from the comics. So if we reference the movies, it's because... Well, they're recent and what we know and what we know. Yeah, exactly. And if you're so, looking for me for expertise, you picked the wrong person. Nope. nope. That's why it's a book club. We don't have to be experts. We're just reading. So issue one in uh, Yugoslavia, Deadpool opens this issue, starting a fight with a mercenary group who has been hired to seek and destroy him. After the battle, he visits Weasel. It's there that we learn that anyone who worked for Tolliver now has a hit out on them, and it's over Tolliver's will. His entire estate and weapons are supposedly willed to whomever is the last one standing. A former co-worker of Deadpool shows up named Weapon X or Garrison Kane, and they battle. He thinks Deadpool knows where Vanessa is, and the battle ends when Weasel says they both want the same thing and clearly don't have more information. Weapon X or Garrison Kane states that Vanessa is a prime target of all the Tolliver's will fiasco and that Slayback is still alive. Meanwhile, Slayback walks through the underground Department K complex and kills the security guard. He goes to the records room and takes the files on Wade and Garrison from the Weapon X training program. And then elsewhere, Juggernaut busts into a genetic research facility looking for Black Tom, who is being held there. The director of the facility takes Juggernaut to him and explains they helped save his life. The issue ends with Black Tom reuniting with Juggernaut, ready to kill someone. Okay, initial thoughts on this this issue? I liked it a lot. I I love chaos. I love things that are kind of random. And uh, I think this is great. I mean, this is kind of what I... I don't have any experience with Deadpool comics, actually. I... I really enjoyed the movies. My wife's obsessed with the movies, <laughs> and uh, I really was excited to read these. And I actually own these ones as well, which is weird because every podcast for the past like two months now, I actually have owned the copies. <laughs> and so when you asked me to be on this one, it's cool because I actually bought all four of these for my wife last year. Uh, we went to Louis- and you guys probably heard me talk already, but I went to the Louisville Comic Con and we bought this set. Uh, my wife was super excited because Fabian Nizietta was there, and we actually got to meet him. And so we brought these with us, and so. It was really cool that I got I actually hadn't read them because I thought she would read them first. So I didn't want to <laughs> be the first one to read her comics. And so I kind of casually was reading them on my phone at home and was like, oh, hey, these are the ones that you have. And she goes, you should read the ones that I have. <laughs> so I did. I read them in, in person, which I will say was way different than it was on the app on this one, especially on a phone. How so? There was a lot of panels, a lot of cool things that they did with the random art with the random talking the bubbles stuff that i did not see on my phone because it was just too small i mean i literally could not i mean i I did not enjoy it very much at all like the first even the first three or four pages and then as soon as i read it in my hand there's just a lot going on that i thought was cool and the chaos i think is what drove it for me like there's just so many panels so much action um 
even when there wasn't action, there was a lot of things happening that I couldn't really read on like a small mobile phone. I get that. It's very frenzy and kinetic like throughout. (laughs) And I mean, I guess chaos is one of the, or chaotic is one of the best words to use to describe Deadpool. And it is definitely throughout this one. And it being Deadpool, it, it almost, we almost give it a pass on the randomness that occurs in it because <laughs> yeah. it is Deadpool and we know that they're going to play into tropes and things like that throughout it. So in that sense, I was okay with all the random people that were showing up <laughs> and so how nice. some of this stuff was resolved. But at the same time, I'm like, well, from a story perspective, I don't know that that, you know, is the the best thing. I mean, you could have, you could have told the story in one issue. Yeah. Which I like that they didn't because... I makes it. This is what I expected from a Deadpool comic, because this down the very beginning when he's sitting there talking to these Iron Man, he goes, "You're all there's Ken dolls better than you. You know, like you're you're like the original GI Joe before he was, you know, when he was original size with original whatever, and then before he got shrunk down to that small weird. And then he's like, you know, there's Ken dolls that I've met that are stronger than you, and it's just that kind of stuff was what I was actually hoping to see mm. and read, which I was glad was in there. Yeah, and there were a lot of cultural references to or cultural jokes yeah. that he makes that honestly makes it a little dated going back to it, but I'm sure at the time probably landed <laughs> much stronger than reading it uh, than reading it now. So I know you were a big fan of the films. What did you think of the relationship with Weasel and Wade? Did it feel similar or different or, <laughs> or what? So uh, I, I actually I, I wanted to look this up and I didn't because I was more curious on... I, I had the thought in my head of the guy, but I didn't picture him as Weasel because I couldn't remember his name. Um, but I think you're right, or you probably are right because <laughs> you probably researched it, but more than I did. But like, I, I had this thought of like, that's exactly who I think of when I think of this guy. And dead on. <laughs> yeah, their interactions were pretty spot on. So they did a, a really great job, I think, casting the role and then filling the role in the film and having their banter the way that it is. It was... It was ex- almost 100% the hell this goes. Did, did they mention him being named Jackhammer in the movie? I don't remember. Because I was looking up on this one and they were saying Weasel's actual name was Jackhammer, which I thought was cool because I didn't know who that was. I also didn't know that Wade Wilson was Wade Winston Wilson. He oh. was a Canadian citizen. I didn't know that either. There was a lot of random Canadian references <clears throat> if you saw. like They, like, they kind of threw them in there. Not a lot, but there was enough that I was like, that seems kind of strange. And then when I was looking it up, they said he was actually a Canadian citizen. Apparently, they Marvel Wiki list their citizenship. They do, yeah. Which I is mean, cool. <laughs> I think Wolverine is Canadian, and then you know, like oh, we've talked, Alpha Flight, all of them. Yeah, the, the citizenship is a big deal in, in Marvel comics. They like to show the diversity and try and get people to yeah. to connect with them in that way. The three major moments in this were the Black Tom and Juggernaut situation, Slaybacks uh, yeah. going through the Department K, and Kane versus Deadpool. Which one were you most engaged with? Uh, definitely Deadpool and Kane more just because, well, first off it's Deadpool comic. So I felt, I felt like that was going to be the core of like this relationship mattered the most. I also was intrigued because I don't know who Kane is and I didn't know, I don't know much about cable. (laughs) So I was like, is this cable? This isn't cable. So like there was like that kind of thing to me. Slayback was kind of a cool name. I actually liked the name. Like that's kind of a weird, random thing. Um, I, who I really didn't give a crap about. Uh, I ended up caring about him a little bit more throughout the series, but I was just like, okay, this guy's no longer dead. They like made like a small mention to that, so that intrigued my zombie interest of, ooh, there's a guy back from the dead. But again, it's comics that people <laughs> just die and come back. Yep. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, Deadpool <laughs> killed him. I want to say in one of the X Force comics. 
but I'm not 100% positive, but I think that's what happened. And now Slay, Slayback is back, and that's part of the whole drama because Deadpool's freaking out. I guess he's afraid of him, and Deadpool doesn't come off as very afraid of too many people, but he is definitely petrified of Slayback. So I think that ups the intensity there as far as what you expect Slayback to be able to do. But okay, fair even if you don't have the experience with Slayback, I didn't either. But I wasn't... I wasn't totally engaged with with any of the three. I was enjoying it, but I wasn't um, like wrapped up in any of it. It was just kind of like a fun little read on the first issue. Yeah. And I enjoyed the fight between Kane and Deadpool. I think the <laughs> fights are actually really good in this throughout. And then <clears throat> to see um, Juggernaut and Black Tom having the X-Men history that I do, it's cool seeing them because they're X-Men villains. So, oh, so you have background to both of them? Yeah, a little bit. No, they're not a huge staple. Well, Juggernaut is. Black Tom, a little less so. But they're both X-Men villains, and they've been working together for a long time since the Phoenix saga way back in, I want to say, late 70s, early 80s of X-Men mm-hmm. comics. So they've been together for a while. It was kind of seeing how goofy they depicted Juggernaut's relationship with him, especially in the next issue. It was weird. It was very weird and not what I expected because I don't really remember them being that way in the X-Men comics. But, uh, but <laughs> what it way fit, is that? But it fit <laughs> more, it, it definitely fit more of how the movie depicted it, which I was a little surprised on yeah. because going into the movies, seeing Black Tom and Juggernaut, I'm like, why the crap are Black Tom and Juggernaut in this movie? And on top of that, why are... Why is their relationship the way that it is? And why is Juggernaut reacting the way that he is? And Because they don't seem that way in the X-Men line when I read them together. So, back up <clears> to <throat> the movies, just because mm-hmm. a point of reference. I don't remember Black Tom. I remember Juggernaut breaking out, and I remember... A, I don't remember enough about it to actually have... I didn't even correlate that he was in the movie with Juggernaut. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it does in Deadpool 2, because I've only seen that one once, but... Because it was like the prison, right? Like, you didn't see yeah. Dead, Juggernaut. Well, he At the end of the first one, he found him... <laughs> he was in one of, like, the cells. Like, you were like, oh, who is that? Or something like that, I think. Maybe... That was actually in two. Oh, they, so, oh, so they didn't even have him in the first one at all. No. Okay. It was in the second one that they visited the whole Juggernaut and Black Tom thing. I... I think... Does Black Tom die early on in two? Maybe. Is that what it I was is? Like, I he's on... Didn't even thought in my head didn't even think about him like when you said that i was like i don't you know remember i literally remember him like being whatever and then the dude with the little like pen that he stuck up his butt <laughs> like that's that's what like what i remembered right like and then all of a sudden they're on that uh transportation ship or whatever but like i, I yeah nothing but that yeah. was definitely a weird relationship so what what is juggernauts i assume is he also a, mer- a mercenary mm. I, or just a villain He's kind of just a villain and sometimes a hero and he goes back and forth and <laughs> okay. he okay. just honestly, it all stems from like a brother, brotherly hatred. He hates his stepbrother, Charles Xavier, and oh. he gets imbued with power from the, um, the ancient gem of Sidorak, I think is what it's called. And then he he gets this magical power that turns him into the unstoppable juggernaut. And then he uses that to try and kill Xavier because he hates him. So his his uh, dad married Xavier's mom, and his dad was abusive to him, if I remember correctly. And he hated that he had to deal with his dad marrying Xavier's mom. And if I remember right, his dad married Xavier's mom because she had money. And hmm. like, I think there was like a wedge there between Juggernaut and his dad because he still wanted his mom Weird. or something like that. So he, no reference to that family. 
None. <laughs> I didn't even know. I, I, had, I would never have thought he was related to Professor X. Yeah, there's nothing mentioned here, hmm. but that's the, the ties there. Yeah, so, okay. like, normally in his villainhood, it's about attacking the X-Men because he hates Charles Xavier. But here it's like uh, he's just in love with his buddy Black Tom. <laughs> yeah, even though he's the, he's like, oh, you're more deformed. That's okay. But, like, there's no words. It's just this awkward... It's kind of weird. Yeah. But I, uh, it was funny. So I really, I really enjoyed the, the cane fighting with Deadpool because it was, it was, it was such a, again, it's what I expected, right? Like, so you kind of see these two guys that are fighting because of whatever this will and then, or they're fighting for Vanessa, right? I think is what it was. So they're fighting over information regarding Vanessa, <laughs> right, right. but it's because they're afraid, I think, Kane for Vanessa's Vanessa. life. Yeah, that's right. Over the will. That's right. So, so, but Kane probably knows that Vanessa would know something. So he's fighting because he thinks that Wade knows where Vanessa's at. So they start fighting, and then Weasel's like, "You bunch of idiots! Neither of you have the information the other ones want." They're like, "Oh, okay, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> like that's well, great. That's awesome. <laughs> that's the best resolution to a fight ever. Weasel's just like, "Hey, I'm going to use my brain." There's a huge communication breakdown here. You both are morons. <laughs> Work it out. Well, it took me a couple panels, maybe even a page. To realize that Weasel was his name and that he wasn't being referred to as a Weasel. Oh. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe he's like this random dude that Deadpool was like, hey, you Weasel. And like, and next thing you know, I'm like, no, maybe that is actually his name. Okay. <laughs> like, I didn't pick up on that at first. And it was funny because Dead- Deadpool makes this comment, which you probably might not know this, but he mentions that the teleportation device in his costume is not working. Did you hear him mention that like in the first early on? And I was like, I didn't remember ever hearing anything about that like not that i would have because yeah i don't remember that deadpool history but yeah it was something about like when they were i, I wish i would have wrote down the page but basically it was it was after they were just fighting and he's talking about being in that area and he's like well i wish i could get away but my teleportation device isn't working and i was like oh that's a strange statement to make yeah so he has a teleportation device when the plot dictates it and it doesn't work when the plot dictates that. Too. <laughs> that's, and again, kind of what <laughs> it's fine because it's Deadpool, so it totally works. No big deal. Everyone just rolls with it because it's meant to be that way. Uh, any other thoughts on issue one? <laughs> other than I'm going to read this because I think it's great. I mentioned the Ken doll thing. He literally says, "Come to think of it, I've seen tougher Ken dolls than you." And he says, <laughs> "I mean, take your pick here: mod hair Ken, disco Ken, <laughs> summer fun Ken." I'll let Barbie whip me because I'm was Ken. Oh, and you guys listening to me? <laughs> I'm just like, this is so great. Like, this is, I don't know, just everything that I want to hear. I don't know. It's just, I thought that's pretty funny. But um, I, I liked a lot, of the, a lot of the random mentions to like pop culture is cool how they threw that in there too. I thought they did a great it job. It is. I wish they would, I kind of wish they would use that Kendall reference in the movie. <laughs> it would, that would have been pretty good. Yeah. And maybe they will when, now that Disney owns it and, they're talking about. I mean, there's rumors that uh, Deadpool's going to be in Spider-Man Three. Really? Oh, I did see some of that. Yeah, which would be ridiculous. Like, it would probably be awesome. But I don't know where it fits, unless it's just in like post credits. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, I'm fine with it if they do it because <laughs> Disney and Marvel Studios have a great track record. So if they do it, hey, that's great. Right. And uh, this is a kind of a joke I think that would fit inside of. It, honestly, it would. Yeah. But real quick, sorry, I did find yep. what I was about. So he says, who else is going to come visit you in the middle of this mess? And then he goes about, he goes, uh, my mom came by last week, or as Weasel says, he says, didn't you just teleport here like you always do? And he says, ah, something's on the fritz with this crummy port systems and the costume don't work. And I was like, okay. Like, are we kidding? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, that's 
Not that, again, I don't have any background, but I'm like, are you hanging out with Cable that all of a sudden now you've got some teleportation ability? Probably. That's, I mean, uh, Cable has some uh, tech to, to body <laughs> slide, as he calls it. So, yeah, he might have. Maybe he snagged it from Cable. I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know. But, yeah, that's all I had of this one. I just, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Uh, issue two, now in Egypt, Deadpool saves a man named Gezbeda from Mercs. From him, Deadpool learns that the briefcase he was given to him by Mr. Foley, an assistant of Tolliver, and it has a disc with information regarding the prize from Tolliver's will. Then Juggernaut and Black Tom show up, stealing the briefcase and blasting Deadpool, leaving him for dead. Later, thanks to Weasel, Deadpool tracks down the flight. Juggernaut and Black Tom are aboard. In order to get the briefcase from them, he (laughs) knocks Black Tom out of the plane in midair, knowing that Juggernaut will jump out to save him. Meanwhile, Sluggo visits the former home of Vanessa to ask if her parents have seen her. Afterwards, Vanessa confronts him and learns that Foley was killed a few weeks ago, and it looks like Deadpool did it. She knows he didn't base she knows that he didn't based on the timing of it, and learns from him that Deadpool is in Sarajevo with Weasel now. Elsewhere, the courier hired by Nico Nico in issue one yeah. meets with Basher, the courier the courier. <laughs> Offers to give him all of Tolliver's international operations for the price of Basher killing Vanessa, Cable, and Deadpool for the murder of Mr. Foley. The issue ends with Garrison Kane getting attacked by Slayback. He wants info on Deadpool. So, okay. This one, we get a whole lot more of the Juggernaut and Black Tom relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you see any differences or similarities between them and Deadpool and Weasel? Uh, Similarities, because they're... But, like, it's... It almost seems, I guess I would say it's like Juggernaut is the weasel kind of in this situation because he's almost like the clinging one to Deadpool uh, or he's clinging to Black Cat. The difference is I don't think Black Cat gives a crap. Black Tom. Black Tom. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Black Cat. Yeah. But like, not that he doesn't, but like I didn't I didn't pick up on it. Like I seemed more like, hey, like we're partners, but ultimately I feel like had Juggernaut been there on the plane, Black Tom would have been like, eh. And maybe that was just my impression. Yeah, it, it seems like Black Tom is using Juggernaut and yeah. manipulating those emotions in Juggernaut to keep him along and to help him. Whereas with like Weasel and Deadpool, it's almost like this, uh, almost a love-hate friendship. Yes. Where, they're, <laughs> where they're like, you're the best friend I got, but... That's, you're also the only friend I have, and yeah, go screw yourself. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. They have like a, a different type of brotherly relationship. So you get almost the... the you almost get two different types of brother relationships where you have the mutual love yet frustration or annoyance by each other. And then you have the um, one almost being the young brother looking up to the older brother and juggernaut and black Tom. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it, but there's similarities just because they're both partners. But again, I just did juggernaut's a weird, I don't know much about him and looking at him in this, this I didn't honestly, I had no interest in juggernaut. Like in this series, he just that that whole thing to me was like, oh, this is kind of a weird relationship that I don't really care about. And they didn't. I enjoyed the uh, the references, the like Jughead and Archie reference that were made, Deadpool made about like, oh, look, it's Jughead and Archie and like, that kind of stuff. Like that was kind of funny, and that was about it. <laughs> He's just, they 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 paint him as the big dumb brute is yeah. what they do, and they try to make it humorous and and it is in a way. Although I don't know why he didn't jump out of the plane with the briefcase. I don't know. <laughs> like so, so the whole because that would ruin the whole entire story. It would. Then Deadpool wouldn't have the briefcase. But, <laughs> but still, I mean, I guess that's another depiction of Juggernaut not being the smartest person. And it is funny that the manipulation that Deadpool uses there is to kick Black Tom out of the plane, 
knowing that the juggernaut's going to jump after him to save his life. So props to Deadpool for being smart (laughs) enough to solve that problem. Right, yeah. Because there's no way he could handle juggernaut in a fight. Not many people can. So I get that. Yeah, that's true. Except for, yeah. Question for you. You you have Weapon X background? Like Mutant X, whatever. Not not Garrison Kane, not. So Not necessarily. They mentioned a uh, they they mentioned when they were talking about Bernard Ho- Bernard Hoister Slug Sluggo Sluggish whatever they call him. They said that he talks to Vanessa's mom, right? So like he goes to her house, and then she. I was confused at first. I thought like maybe the mom was like wasn't actually the mom. It was actually Vanessa, but it was the mom. And then Vanessa comes out, strangles him, and she talks about how she's been she was blackmailed by Tolliver to pose as Domino for the last year. Yeah. And that his death released her. And I was just curious, like, if you knew anything about that, if that was something that even... No, I think that's going on in X-Force. X-Force, X, that's right, okay. Yeah, because she was... So Cable was very close to Domino in the comics. Oh, really? And so I think at that point, she was part of X-Force with Cable, and Deadpool was involved in a lot of these X-Force issues. And so I'm guessing that at some point, they had this big reveal that Domino was not Domino, and it was copycat. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because it was kind of cool. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, obviously I know, I know that's from the movies. So I'm like, this, I was like, that's kind of cool. And I was like, Domino's a pretty big loner in the movies. So I was like, oh, that's kind of strange that she would be, I don't know. Domino was my favorite part of Deadpool 2. Really? Yeah. And I'm a huge cable fan, but I was, um, they didn't depict him in a way, even not knowing him, that made me extremely interested. I was more curious about him until I watched the movie. Then I was like, if I didn't have heard, or if I hadn't heard you talk about it, I probably would have just been like, yeah, okay. That's why, like, I'm I'm okay with Brolin in the role. Like, he beefed up enough. He yeah. handled the gravitas of the role, but I don't think they did a very good job of showing Cable in a way that is true to his comic form. Okay. And so, and they did a horrendous job letting you know what he can actually do. <laughs> and part of that might be because in the comics. It was always a little blurry for a, a big part of his his ori- origin, but I mean, it kind of levels out, and you get an idea of what he can actually do in his in his future. And <clears throat> I was also a little perturbed with how they handled his future and the time travel aspect of it, because it just I don't know, it didn't make sense to me, kind of how they did it. Like I felt like when they were in that scenario where Cable makes the choice to like hey i can go back in time and stop this moment from happening then i'm like the the real common denominator here is that vanessa died if you go back and you save vanessa immediately from the beginning (laughs) then deadpool never gets arrested he never meets this kid this kid never spirals down and everything goes away so i'm like just go do that maybe that kid still spiraled down he was an angry child yeah, he's an angry child, but... <laughs> but Deadpool definitely shoved him over the edge. But Cable figures or, out that, yeah. like, here's the link that causes this, so I'm like, eh, well... But, Fair enough. I, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, we're not reviewing that movie. We're talking about the comic, and yeah, as far as uh, the Domino copycat stuff, that's that's my little understanding of it. I... I, I what So I think I was going to ask this later, but... Are were you happy with this version of Vanessa, or were you shocked? Like too shocked to care? Um, at first I was a little shocked. Like, what? And honestly, I misread in the initial, the first issue they mentioned about like the potentially killing Vanessa or whatever. And I was thinking I I misunderstood it as Deadpool killed Vanessa, 
And then when I like, I don't know what I just totally misconstrued it. And I'm thinking, wait, this is totally different. And then as you get through, you realize, oh, he didn't try to kill her. But like in general, and then when I saw her, and I'm like, wait, you're blue. Your name is Copycat. You can form other people. Like what the heck? Now they do give the backstory, which I don't remember if we got there later. But like they yeah, give it's the next one. You know, they give a little bit about. So I was like, okay, that helps me a little bit. Like okay, cool. So then there's more to it. But I was weirded out honestly. Like at first, just like this is not what I expected at all. Yeah, she's so much different that. I was kind of jarred. Yeah. I'm okay with it. And I would love to see, to see her come out like that in the comic or in the movies, like in Deadpool three, like yeah. reveal that she is that. And she's just been kind of posing for a while, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think they'll ever do that. Maybe they will. Again, again, we're not reviewing, we're not reviewing the movie. So, but in general, like, you know, the way that they end that last one with her, you're kind of like, okay, well, if they can turn into like a copycat kind of thing, that could give you an opportunity to do something. Yeah. But, but with her past, I don't know that uh, Disney would travel uh, down that road. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. A, I liked the random things in this episode, this issue. So they did a lot of like, did you notice a little, you just got, we talked about pop, pop culture references. And there was like the scene where, uh, <laughs> when Vanessa goes to find Sluggo and I think it was either her or somebody, they take the keys. She takes her mom's car and they're very like they focal in one of those little points on the Chevy key, the Chevy emblem on the key. Oh, which was which was random because I was like, is that even a Chevy? I can't. They didn't depict it enough in the picture to tell what the car was, but it was enough that the uh, the actual like they showed the Chevy logo, which I thought was really cool. Uh, it was random. Uh, I'm trying to see what page it was on, but it was it was just cool because they just they focused in on it and it just kind of made me like, oh, that's kind of strange. Um, I did really like the interaction with her though. I thought she was cool. If you look at it's on page 10 on the comic, she has the keys in her hand and it's just like, it's not that it's blatant, but it's blatant enough that you see the Chevy logo on the key and not just a key. Wow. Which was a cool touch. I thought that was neat, but they didn't do anything else about it. Um, did, did you keep getting back to Gonjozen with the red eyes? <laughs> That's all I can no. think of. <laughs> no, it didn't even cross my mind, honestly. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, never, never even thought about it because I guess I disassociate so much once we move into a different, <laughs> a different thing. But um, it was funny because she gets in this car, which to me looks like an old, uh, uh, like one of the old Ford Escorts. Which, so maybe it was a Ford Escort. Which and might just be, gave it which, Chevy which maybe, but I looked at it, you can't see the decal on the front top as a Ford, but it does have a license plate that says Mad 493. So I don't know if that's relevant to anything. Maybe it is. Um, that's the artist. Ah, is it? Okay. Yeah, so this was Joe... Uh, Joe Matarera, which oh, is, okay. yeah, it's spelled in a manner in which you would never think that that's how it's pronounced, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's Matarera and he is, uh, so around this time he actually takes over on uncanny X-Men. Oh, really? And he shot up and as far as I remember, insanely in popularity, he was one of my favorite artists back in the day. I still love a lot of his work. He, if I remember right, he's also the one that started Battle Chasers, which is, um, hmm. which is another comic for yeah. a different publisher. And then he even did, I want to say he did the art for the game Darksiders as well. Oh, okay, so, I liked the art a lot. I thought I thought they did a great job. I thought the art was really capturing of what was happening. It's busy, <laughs> very busy, very very busy. Which I, but again, that that adds to the whole chaos of the whole thing. Which I think, if you had this chaotic chaotic story like this with simplistic art, it would not have fit 
at all. No, I mean, this is a crazy story <laughs> that's frenzied and you have to have some type of art that illustrates that. And Metarera does a great job of doing so. And uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his work, at least if nothing else from a nostalgia piece, because it was a huge part of my childhood reading. Okay. Joe Mad stuff, hmm. and uh, and even playing the the Battle Chasers video game from not too long ago. But uh, any other thoughts on issue two? Yeah, a couple couple small ones. I um, it was I kind of I liked their depiction of this Gavin Junior Jacob Gavin Junior, who I literally refer to him in my notes as rich asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought they did a great job of doing that. Um, and honestly, it just in my head though, all I could think of, which I know is not even the same era whatever it's the same era same all i think it was gavin the dude they shoot him at gavin for freaking happy oh gilmore and i was just like this just pretentious douche here is like i'm gonna go and kill these people and i'm it just was such a like a weird i don't know what it was but to me him that, that's all i could think of when i was looking at this guy and I, I liked their depiction of him i think you always have to have one of those kind of like super pretentious people in these in these issues so i thought that was cool they added him um i, I don't like him really as a character but it was interesting i wish i would have totally <laughs> done the shooter mcgavin reference and just read him as shooter mcgavin <laughs> lay by the bay i just may <laughs> uh yeah was, uh, i, I like that a lot that was that was what i had fun with um i thought it was cool but that was executive elite is that is this one of those like random teams i think so okay yeah. i'm not going to get far, but in general i was like are we back to here again? <laughs> Based on how they wrap up in issue three, I'm pretty sure they're just like totally like, random. I didn't know if that was like an like an FBI, like, hey, we have FBI and here's our team today, or if it was just like a random like I think never just, heard of that. I think okay. it's just a random team. And then it was pretty cool, uh, just cl- just because it happened recently. So they mentioned Demarcus Cove where Kane lives. So we're slayback that was like a safe place that people didn't know about. And they also mentioned it was just outside of Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, which is the place I was just telling the other day to Morgan on there at work that she should go check out. That's where my wife and I went and we spent a week there a couple, like about a year ago. And it was amazing. And I was just like, Oh, I've never even heard anybody mention Booth Bay. And I'm sitting there in this comic and that's where this dude is living right outside of there. I thought that was kind of neat. Wow. Um, and random. then it was yeah, totally random things like that, that that got me. But I did I did like that he had a safe place outside of like the city that people didn't know about. Obviously, Slayback found out about it because he saw his file when he was um, searching earlier. Um, and I liked how Slayback vowed to kill Deadpool and said he has nothing against Kane. He's just like, I just need to use you. Yeah, but which we get the vibe later on that he <laughs> wouldn't have done anything to someone else either. That he's just literally <laughs> wanting to use these people to get to Deadpool yeah. because, I mean, Deadpool's the one who killed him. So he right. wants vengeance. <laughs> so he wants to kill Deadpool. So he's going to do whatever he can to do that. Cool. I get it. <laughs> it's and, just, it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm a little confused on how Kane and Wade Wilson's files were next to each other. It didn't seem very alphabetical. So I don't I, I thought the same thing. I was like, maybe there's only seven, seven people. Maybe there's only like seven file drawers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there were more than that, but I mean, you know. it's fine. I mean, <laughs> things know. got mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So in issue three in Sarajevo, once again, Deadpool is confronted, battles, and is captured by the executive elite. One of the members is Basher, who Nico in the previous issue hired to kill Deadpool. Basher and the rest of the executive elite know that Deadpool has a disc that leads to Tolliver's will, and they reveal that the disc on its own is useless. It needs cross-reference with another disc that they have. They place a device on Deadpool that allows them to see memories of his past while also physically hurting him. Here we learn that he was with Vanessa, a.k.a. Copycat, when she was much younger and working the streets. Then we learn that Garrison Kane from the first issue came to him after Weapon X fixed some of his missing limbs. 
Garrison tried to tell him they could fix Deadpool's cancer. Back in the present day, Weasel busts in and rescues Deadpool. It was their plan all along in order to get the second disc from the executive elite, whom they quickly murder. Examining, examining the disc, they discover a zero unit and assume it's the weapon. They also learn they need to travel to Nepal. Meanwhile, we see the last four days playing out with Vanessa. Each day, she tracks down another clue as to where she can learn the location of a Tolliver's will. Occurring the day before the events of Deadpool versus the executive elite, we see Vanessa arrive to Nepal and is then confronted by Slayback. <laughs> so, <clears throat> torture on Deadpool. <laughs> Using that to reveal his history. Effective or cliche? Both. <laughs> and and so effective because I had the same thought as you did. A little bit of shock of like, who is this Vanessa? And this was my, oh, okay. So they, they good job. You guys kept closer to the storyline. All right, I'm, I'm happy with that. And then cliche because it always happens. <laughs> yeah. But again, I, I think Austin said something about this other day about it being lazy writing. I don't know if I would say this was lazy writing. But it's a way that if you didn't know who Deadpool was to get like a quick, dirty who this person is, because I don't know how popular he was in the 90s. I know when I when when Fabian was talking during uh, like a town hall that he did during the cop, the podcast podcast, the Comic-Con, he actually was mentioning about how like the popularity was way, you know, it was nowhere near what it is today because the movies brought him out. You know, people didn't know who he was that like these didn't sell very well at the beginning. And he's like, if I had any idea this would sell, this would have sold that well. You know, now he's like, man, I would have probably changed something, you know, but like he was talking about how like he had done this short series and then did another one later that got rejected because he wanted to take a different direction. But like it wasn't popular Ooh. enough that he couldn't have done a lot of that kind of stuff. And so it was it was interesting to hear him talk about that and how the popularity wasn't there. People weren't into Deadpool. <laughs> it was, yeah, you know, I don't know. So I wonder how many stories that Fabian wanted to tell on X-Men that got vetoed or he had to dumb down or he had to change because of how popular X-Men was and he couldn't tell the stories he wanted. A lot. Yeah, I would have, yeah. And then he gets that. From, from, from what I'm hearing him talk about it, he was not happy about a lot of things and that was one of the big things was their deadlines were just so critical. I mean, they were, he was the one talking about, everyone from them were talking about how these deadlines were just stupid ridiculous, but he was the one talking about how like he had all these ideas that he couldn't do because they had these like pre-written stuff or like you were writing this one, but then you couldn't write the next one or you were writing these three, someone else was writing the next three, so then you like, you had to phase into that what their idea was or you couldn't do it. That's kind of sucks. That actually sounds a lot it, like <laughs> that actually sounds a lot like Marvel Studios. It does. Where the directors they get a little bit of freedom within the movie, but they have to tie it all in in a way that that makes it fit with the rest of the universe. So it sounds kind of like the same concept, and I could see where a director or a writer would have frustration with that limitation, especially if they're in the field because they want to be creative with it and get some ideas or expressions out, and now they're being you know, pigeonholed into doing yeah. a certain thing. So I get that. And I wonder if, if Marvel tried to give him a little bit more freedom in some of his Deadpool stuff and some of the other stuff he wrote, like new warriors, which from what I can tell, he seems very fond of his new warriors work. Yeah. He said that was his favorite, his favorite that he did. I think he was talking about how much he loved it. And all I could think it was once we did, and I was not super impressed by them, but I didn't read enough to really gauge it. So I'd, when I heard somebody in the audience like, these are my absolute favorite and I love all these guys. And I was like, we read about them and they were terrible. But then again, it just depends on what, well, how you jumped in and what you read. Well, I mean, we were reading the Avengers issues that had them in it. So maybe uh, maybe he had to use them in a certain way inside the Avengers yeah. issues that he wouldn't normally 
So I guess at some point I should try and visit the New Warriors. <laughs> Not uh, the same thing. Yeah. Um, I will say I did like the art probably better in this one than I did I think the last one. They had a little more chaotic scenes, and I love the use that they do in this comic of multi panels. If that's a good way to say it. So for example, like looking at a page, you might have uh, six panels, and then there's two on the left, three on the right. The next one, you still have six panels, but you have two up top four in the middle somewhere yeah. uh you know and the way that they like kind of cluster them around was like a clustered um what do you, what do you call this like the shutterfly book it was like you took one of those and you just messed around with all these random layouts and just threw crap all over in, in an organized fashion mind you like it wasn't like it was unorganized but the way they did that just felt like it added to the chaos and i loved it <laughs> yeah that's a great point so uh comparing it to shutterfly is great so you just go in there you click randomize and then it randomizes each page and then it looks different and that almost looks like what they did here but with a little more design to it or intention behind Mm -hmm. it and it does flow really well i I don't remember getting lost in any point with it to where i didn't know what the next panel was supposed to be but it was also different enough that it stood out and made an impact throughout yeah, I, I like that. I thought they did a cool job. Um, I liked the Vanessa backstory a little bit. I liked her dealing with this uh, Shooter McGavin guy, um, you know, and she was just kind of like, yeah, this is what I need. Kind of like, screw off. <laughs> give, yeah. give, give me what I'm here for. <laughs> her past is messed up, man. I mean, her mom yeah. and her family kicking her out because she was a mutant, and then she had to work the streets to survive, and then Deadpool leaves her because he has cancer, I guess, is what the implication is. Yeah, it seemed so. So she was always a mutant. I didn't know the mutant parts. I was. I didn't. I must have missed that part here. So she was always that way. Uh, since puberty. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's okay. when the mutant. That's hmm. when you, the mutant powers kick in, or when you can tell you're a mutant is at puberty. Really? Yeah, they're dormant until that. So yeah, she would have been very young, and that's also hinted at, like with her relationship with Deadpool, because he makes some comment about her being too young or something. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, they, they, I was reading something about it too. I don't. I don't know if you knew this. I they mentioned that part of that to heal or whatever. They've actually used um, Wolverine's healing factor, which bonded to the cancer, and that's what that's what created the deformity. And it was weird. I was reading something about it that made it, and I might have misinterpreted this too. But there was something I was reading, and it made it sound like they initially did that, and it kind of worked. And then he became more deformed. Is it like like he actually like, like looked like it, everything was fine for a while? Um, like I read a bunch of stuff about it, and I didn't write it down because I knew I'd butcher it. So I figured I'd just talk it like I half knew it because I half read it. Um, <laughs> but it was basically something to do with like the, the way that they used the uh, the healing factor with his cancer it attacked the cells, and it kind of like appeared to work. And that was like around the time that like uh, Kane was you know getting his stuff through Weapon X or whatever it was. And then next thing you know, like just shit hit the fan, and he was just ugly as heck. But that whole thing was because. Of the ceiling factor attacked those cancerous cells and that's what actually caused them to be oh, so ugly which I thought was kind of cool yeah now I really want to read more about that <laughs> I did too because I know I, I knew I would push it I'm like that much I kind of retained and, and I don't know the logic behind it because there's not a, you know the logic is can be made up <laughs> yeah and with the name Weapon X I knew it tied into Wolverine in some way shape or form <laughs> given that Weapon X was a big part of his backstory and the adamantium claws and all that so now I, I definitely want to go back and read some of that stuff with Deadpool to figure out uh, or at least to see that story because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't know if they do that. If they talk more about that, but I would be curious if they did a backstory to show all that. Need to find that out. I don't know. Did yeah. Did you pick up on the? Uh, so the, the, after they were talking about the people that had, you know, they were getting ready to turn them over to the midget. Was that a person's name? I don't think so. Or it was literally a midget. Like, Probably. I, I, 
I just I was confused. They were like I didn't see who it was, and I had a sense that it wasn't like Mini Me. Like all I could think it was Mini Me with like the evil Austin Powers, <laughs> you know. Like that's all I could think of in my head, and I know that's probably not what it was, but I, you never know. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> no. I actually don't know that one at okay. all. Okay. So I apologize for not having more information or clarity on that one. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on issue three? Um. Sure, I got a couple. I I liked uh, I liked these the stupid elite executive executive elite folks, Rive and Makeshift, mm. and Comcast. Yeah, their names are fantastic. <laughs> Comcast and, is appropriate to like maybe that was the cable at the time. I think so. Or was that before the time? That well, that was yeah, because they even make a joke about his name. <laughs> That's what else. Yeah. <laughs> and Rive was weird, like. What, what are we trying to do here? And the whole thing was kind of strange. Uh, and then I loved the whole fact that they just like removed his mask and then like horrified, like, oh my God, like that, that's what terrifies them. And Weasel's like, you should use that more often. <laughs> like basically, why do you put a mask to cover that shit up? People don't, people don't want to see that. That's yeah. going to help you. <laughs> it's just going to freak them out the whole time and give you an advantage. Stop wearing the mask. Right. Wade, come on. Now, I thought the way they were disposed of was very reminiscent of how X-Force is disposed of in the movie because it was just so quick and so a little bit unexpected. Like, I'm yeah. like I, mean, I know everybody keeps losing quickly in this, this series, <laughs> but to see them all like murdered that quickly, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> all right. I had a little bit of hope for them. And then they keep talking about computer disc. Are they, is it actually a floppy disc? I think so. Because they call oh, it a no. computer disc. So I was like, are they no, actually writing? CD. So they're writing out CD. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is that CD? Or they actually mean a disc for like, because they don't, they don't say computer disc. Nobody says I mean, it made me wonder, like, is that called a computer disc? Maybe, maybe back in 1994, you would have had to have called it that. Did you know that's what it was? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was assuming it was CD made sense, but, like, they didn't say anything about that. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. And I'm, then, I'm old. <laughs> they did They did a cool job. I thought, um, <laughs> I love that they had Deadpool hanging out in the monastery, which, you know, you know we, we're, we're there, right? Okay, yeah. The, <laughs> in the monastery, like, he's, like, hanging out with these monks, or he's just, like, hassling these monks, giving them a hard time trying to find information. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking issue four? Are we? In, I don't think so. I was in... Yeah, that's the beginning of issue four. Oh, well, then, just kidding. Hey, let's go back real quick. Um, <laughs> did you follow the timeline? With uh, Vanessa? Everything. It was interesting. So, they talk about, like, uh, uh, Vanessa in Switzerland two days ago, right? So, before, like, today. And then it was, they talk about her, like talking about with this guy trying to get information. Then they go back and they say four days prior um, to that, she basically finds out someone else had opened this hack. That's six days prior to where we're at now. And I'm thinking like, that's a long time if you do that math or does it, it doesn't matter. But I was trying to figure out the timeline, like, because they showed two days prior to that. Then they showed another four days prior. And I'm like, is that four days total or is it now like a, almost a week before this i thought it was four days total and each time okay. they were showing the next day so it was like four days ago vanessa did this and okay. she learned this which led to on three days ago she was at this sense. person okay. and she so like we were seeing over the course of four days we were seeing how vanessa got the clues leading up to her being in nepal and then getting kidnapped by slayback Okay, I gotcha. Yep. So he uses her. That makes sense. And in, in, in the next issue, and that I thought it was a cool way to show that. I, I liked seeing the slow build as to like, oh, we're seeing the past of Vanessa leading up to where we're about to be at, um, show, showing like how she ties in, kind of like how. So in our um, in our most recent Avengers episode, we talked about Sprite and the Eternals showing up. And yeah. I said it would be nice to have some type of hint that they were possibly en route yeah. to save the day. 
So like this is this would have been a cool way for them to do that, like just to show like a quick thing from a few days ago, spreading them talking, and then that's a then that's a really good, so good and and they did a great job in this whole issue of doing that with not just her but everybody back to them making the the subtle mark of Slaybacks alive, and then you see him slowly getting after Kane, and you build up, and yeah. then these folks they mention the Elite Eight or the Elite. Executive, executive elite. Executive, yeah. <laughs> the Elite Eight, and there's only three. The executive Elite, they mentioned them before they ever get introduced. And so, like, to oh your point, they, they do actually do a good job of that, right? So, like, I think that's awesome because you're right. We never get those intros, and nobody just was randomly thrown in here that you didn't know they were going to be there. Yeah, they led up to, I mean, Juggernaut and Black Tom led up to um, Nyko hiring, you know, the Courier and Basher and all that. And just everything was building, and I do kind of wish now that they were called the Elite Eight, and there were only three of them because be the so other awesome. five died, <laughs> but they kept the name. Like the other five died. <laughs> oh, I thought they were just called the exact Elite Eight because there's only three of them. It's so issue four. <laughs> Weasel and Deadpool have tracked the prize of Tolliver's will to a temple in Nepal. After infiltrating it, they find the weapon stash behind a locked door. They notice a white mannequin that looks like the Zero unit they saw on the disc. At this point, Garrison Kane shows up and starts fighting Deadpool. It doesn't take long for Slayback to interrupt while still holding Vanessa captive. Deadpool and Kane battle Slayback while Weasel hides behind the white mannequin. Eventually, Kane gets near Weasel and tells him it can't be the weapon in the will because those are atom units and they are meant to keep peace. They absorb the memories and energy of all weapons on an area. The With Slayback being so mechanical, Weasel comes up with a plan. He activates the Zero unit. Meanwhile, Slayback attempted to deliver a fatal blow to Deadpool, but Vanessa jumped in front of it, sacrificing herself. The unit, now woken, immediately perceives Slayback as a dangerous threat to biological creatures and nullifies him. The unit begins to analyze the rest and perceives that Deadpool is the only threat before he nullifies him. Deadpool says he can heal Vanessa and then grabs Vanessa, hoping she will copycat his powers and heal herself. She does. The unit then deems he may live for now and vanishes to deactivate other dangers in the area. Kane then takes Vanessa to the medical uh, to find medical assistance and weasel and Deadpool discuss Deadpool's realization. He can be a better man and make money off of healing people plus killing people. <laughs> Sounds like Deadpool. It does. It does. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a book about a mercenary who literally kills people for money. Were you shocked that the ultimate weapon turned out to be something that ends violence? <laughs> yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I loved it, but, I never expected that. I'm totally 100% fine with that being what it is. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's a great little twist. And I kind of want to see more of these Atom units. <laughs> I know. I did. And all I could think of when I saw it was the dude from Deadpool that couldn't speak. Is it Deadpool? When they had his like lips almost... Uh, no, that was not Deadpool. That was Deadpool in Wolverine Origins. Thank you. That Yes. Yeah. That, that's all I could picture in my head. <laughs> when I saw oh, this God. oh this is better than that oh absolutely but, in, that. but somehow that's all I could think of I was like a cross between between that and the new Avengers uniforms <laughs> put those on from <laughs> Endgame put yeah. those on that like that's so it. so Nicieza <laughs> wrote Rage of the Angels that we covered with the whole riots in the streets and, and all that mm-hmm. with Rage and then I'm pretty sure he's also the one that wrote the issue where Captain America and Wasp deal with the children that are armed with uh, weapons uh, security guards in the in the house that they're like going through the yeah, yeah yep i'm pretty sure he wrote that one as well what do you think this says about nicieza this combined with that with the fact that his ultimate weapon is a nullifier not an actual weapon and then mm. the way that he handled riots and then the armed children so i i would say 
he sees violence as the easy answer, the easy the easy action, and peace as an unattainable result. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, I guess I shouldn't say unattainable, but like the, the evil necessity for all this is just there. It's not going to go away, and we got to find a way to deal with that. How do we deal with that? Like peace isn't necessarily gonna be the answer. Like in most of those, I never took it as the answer, but there's a way to try to solve that because it's not it's it's never gonna go away. And I think in those examples you just made, and honestly reading other things that he's read, it's very much of like little aggressive, little like there's always a lot of negative things that are happening that he puts a positive spin on. Um, like Deadpool obviously is all about <laughs> joking around about that kind of stuff, but in general, I think he does a good job kind of putting a positive spin on negative things. And then where they end up usually kind of like surprises me. Like those ones surprised me. That was a we- the one with like the children. Like that was a weird. <laughs> yeah, it was but very like, weird. To your point, that was kind of the same kind of thing. You kind of went and you're like, oh, we're going down, down, down. Oh, didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I get the vibe that he wants to bring like social issues to the forefront, but he's very limited in the manner in which he can do it. So he decorates it in this violent and um, entertaining manner Mm -hmm. because most people who read comics or watch movies want to see action. So he finds a way to to throw in the action, but also slyly or at least trying to to subtly put out there that he's more or less against violence, at least most forms of it, or or at least wants to expose the terrible acts of violence, like the rioting the like rioting and race riots mm-hmm. and like the whole children being used as military mm-hmm. and yeah i didn't think about the race riots because that's actually where we had new warriors in there mm-hmm. uh that that makes more sense yep but anyway sorry yeah to yeah so that's the that's kind of the vibe i get from him and i'd i'd really love to hmm. pick his brain about his motivations and some of these stories that he wrote so if we could ever get him on that would be fantastic yeah that'd be uh so it's it's cool so i uh, I know Sandy earlier went to Comic-Con. I was telling you about this last time when I met him. He actually is doing a another story called Outrage right now. He's currently, well, they it, the season's done, but he's writing a comic called Outrage, which is actually on a, I'm going to call it a Japanese platform social media. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but it's a it's an app called Webtoon, which is a bunch of free comics. You don't have to pay for it at all. It's all these free comics that are available to anybody that's using it. Uh, and he's writing this, this thing called Outrage, which, shocker, it's literally what you just said. It is a, it's basically this, essentially a computer is angry at all these horrible people and it's literally jumping off of the computer screen and attacking people for what they're doing. <laughs> like down to like, you know, like, uh, you know, they have the guys that are, you know, trolling for young women. He's attacking these people in virus city on their computer, literally jumping out and beating the crap out of them down to like people that were like looking at crap on their phone. And it turns out to be, you know, it's a cool story. Like I'm not going to ruin it, but it was super cool. And to your point, that's like dead on what you were just saying. And I didn't even think about that because I didn't have a lot of background when I met him and he was super excited about this thing. Um, his, his approach for this Deadpool comic is he wanted to go darker actually. So he said his, his, he actually wrote a second story for this but was way darker and was like, how deep could you go basically? <laughs> and then at the end coming back like redemption. So I think he has a lot of that kind of stuff. And you, you follow him on Twitter. He's, he's very, oh, yeah. he's very political. <laughs> he's, he's very political and he's extremely active on Twitter. Yes. Uh, he's, he's worth following because he has some good comments from time to time. And you know, he has commented to us a few times. So has he commented to, he corrected us on how we pronounce his name. 
Oh, did he? Is that what you guys were talking about the last time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he actually when I when I uh, when I came back from it, I actually did a post where I was talking about this new comic, and he actually shared my post and said, "Be like Jake and read Outrage," and I was like, "That's super cool." But um, yeah, he was he was he was great to meet. But I like I, this this comic was cool. It was a good starting. Uh, I think my favorite line from this issue <laughs> was Deadpool saying, "Packing ships, that's the greatest weapon on the face of the planet. Styrofoam packing ships. <laughs> Just imagine getting nailed by some of these babies. <laughs> oh, the humanity." <laughs> Love it! Like I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> I want to see Ryan Reynolds say that. I do. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I want to see that. You you can see it. It it's, it fits. It's perfect. Oh yeah, he would. <laughs> I, oh man, I can even like hear the fluctuation in his voice for that one. Uh, rapid fire. Other thoughts on the final issue? Rapid fire. No, I, I liked it a lot. I really. That's pretty much that. I really enjoyed this issue. Cool. Um, yeah. Did you like uh, comic version of Vanessa or film version better? I s- comic version. Okay. There's a lot of opportunities with it. So obviously this has been written in the past. So yep. we know they've gone. I mean, I don't know what they've done, but I feel like the opportunity that you can do it. There's a lot more. Uh, I loved movie version of her, but I feel like you could basically do that in the comics. Yeah. With what we've seen, without a problem. So I'm like, okay. Yep, I like that. I uh, I think there are more possibilities in the comic for her than there are in the movie, even though I really love the actress who plays her. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the comic version is more entertaining and, and worth investing in. So Also, real quick, yep. side note, just since we just finished doing our Avengers reading, did you also see that Tom DeFalco is also the editor of this one? Oh, nice. Yeah, and it was, it was really cool. I'm trying to find the... Uh, did you pay attention to any of the stuff that they wrote with their... Oh, it was great. Like, there, there's the one like that. I, I, the only one snapshot I'm going to read here. They talked about uh, Aided and Abetted by Mark Farmer, Slappin' Blacks. Yep, I said that right. Chris, <laughs> Chris Eli, Eliopoulos, I'm to the wrong, The Usual. Uh, Jillis Oliver, Spray Tanning. Suzanne Gaffney, <laughs> Editor, that says it all. Bob Harris, Group Worrywart. Tom DeFalco, would rather you be reading Thunderstrike. <laughs> that was, I was like, after we just finished reading it, I was like, that's so awesome. That's fantastic. And also, <laughs> clearly what they took from that to do in the movies with the credits at the beginning. It is. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. I love that. I think there was even one where, um, well, I thought there was an issue where they just called it the Hispanic guys or something like that. They, they did in the third one. Yeah, the yeah. Hispanic was funny. Uh, the other ones I'm going to read, because I think this one also got me, was United Nations of... Comic, Comic-Con? Comic-Con, maybe? Maybe I read it wrong. And it says, uh, Chris Elipolopoulos? Not sure. Uh, Calligraphy Kid, Jillis Oliver, Hugh Lass, Suzanne Gaffney, Whip Woman, Bob Harris, Nervous Boy, Tom DeFalco, Ostrich, Ostrich Ace. Ostrich? Ostrich. I can't say ostrich. <laughs> the Bird Ace. Yeah, the Bird, the Ostrich <laughs> Ace. But I was like, those are so cool. Like, it's just... The little takes on that, I think it was, to me, what like honestly made this way better than anything else, was just like that kind of stuff, which is why I think everyone liked the movie, too. They did a good job to keep to some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, make it fun, creative, and funny at the same time. Yes. So, ratings. Our rating scale works like this. One to three, ban it from Marvel Canon. Four to seven, borrow it, find a way to read it, and read it on the app, go to the library and read it. Or eight to ten, buy it, add it to your long box, or frame it and hang it up on your wall. How do you feel about this one? I give it a nine. I Whoa. I I haven't done a lot of nines. I kind of stick between seven and eight. I I loved it. I mean, I loved the story. I liked the funness. It was very fun to me. And from a 
overall comic reading, like this was a really fun read, whether you like comics or not. And there was a lot in here for anybody, okay. which is, I think why I like, obviously if you're a Deadpool, this is 10 easy. Like if you like Deadpool, you need to have this. If you're a fan of Deadpool, <laughs> you have to own this. It's his first solo series. So it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. But like for my personal opinion, looking at like for, for me, like if I didn't give a crap about Deadpool and I didn't really like comics, like, okay, maybe seven, you should definitely read it. But for me, like, I loved it. I'm so happy I have it. I'll I will read this one again. You're gonna go I, home to your wife and be like, "Read this now." I, last night I literally was like, "Hey, we pushed the podcast back a day. I can reread this. Do you want to read it?" And she was like, "No." So I did not. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. She needs. How to about read you? It. What do you? Uh, what do you think? I think I'm gonna land on. Um, I'm flipping a coin here. I will say, I will give it the. If you're a fan of Deadpool. You have to own it. So somewhere in the eight nine range, <laughs> range. Like if you're a big fan of Deadpool, then you then you need to find a way to own this mm-hmm. series. If you are a fan of comics, you need to read it. So for me, I probably landed a six and a half. Okay, I had a lot of fun with it. It was entertaining. It was a quick read. Like it wasn't too complex to where like I had to spend too much time reading it, which Fair happens enough. sometimes. And there wasn't an overabundance of dialogue to where it took like 30 minutes or 20 minutes an issue or anything ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it was a fun read. It was entertaining. The Joe mad art is phenomenal throughout. Nicieza has some really good lines throughout it. So I think for me, I landed a six and a half, not quite, um, owning it. If you're not a huge Deadpool fan, but again, if you are a huge Deadpool fan, you heard it from one himself, you got to own it. It's a <laughs> nine. So, uh, next week we're going to be covering, X-Men 31 to 32 and Uncanny X-Men 311 to 313. We'll see you next time. Austin! Austin, you didn't get us water again. I I can't talk anymore. I had to cough like 15 times. (laughs) It was really awkward. I hope you have fun editing that out, but it's your fault for not getting me water. I also want a side table because I need to put my water on something. I can't keep my lap and hold my comics and my phone. Austin, why don't you buy a side table? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't work in these conditions. <laughs> <laughs> We've been done for 14 minutes. <laughs> Where have you been? Gosh. You've been doing band practice? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We've been playing acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> versions of all of our songs.